Doing it live on a Tuesday. It is the Dubcast. It is Bo Bishop. It is Johnny Ginter. And and what are the what what do you hear right now, Mister Ginter? What you what? Well, let me just tell you what you hear. You hear <laughs> new audio equipment. Uh, yeah. After my children ravaged it, my my last set. So there's a new USB connector to the microphone. There's a new headset. Uh, so I can now hear you, uh, which seems to be a positive. If you're going to do a podcast, that I hear you and you can hear me clearly. <laughs> so um, I I that has has changed. Since we last did the show. Yeah, it's a beautiful, sonorous voice. I just, you know, I had missed it, really, Bo. And, and I needed to fall asleep on Tuesday night. So I, I just, I thank you for getting that back and running. Well, I do what I can. Um, you know, the, what it, we, we appreciate you laboring through with us as we dealt with my children's. Um, look, they're jackals. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. This is what kids do. If, if you have, don't have kids yet, this is what you deal with. It is a, a constant uh, pursuit of, of doing harm to things. And it is your job to try to prevent it. And you succeed about 48% of the time. I mean, that's really, uh, what parenting is all about. Um, so we're back, we're, we're at full volume, we're at good volume, everything's sounding good. And, and we're back in, in spring football. And this is, was like the perfect spring football day to me. I hate spring in Ohio. It's the worst season of all the Ohio seasons. And I know it's, it's not officially, it's I know bad. it's not officially spring, but this was this is just nonsense, but this is what spring is in Ohio, right? It's yeah. gray. It's really thick rain all day. Yep. It's just slop, mud, cold, suck. And the one beacon of light that pulls us through is a little bit of spring football. Or if right. you're like me and you live in the Cleveland area, it's the NFL draft. Um, but, but this is it, man. It's spring football that kind of gets you through. So it kind of started in the right way. Today was the first practice. Urban spoke. Uh, got a chance to see Kevin Wilson running around with the offense, got to see a bunch of freshmen. We're going to talk about all that stuff, um, some impressions we had. Um, but one thing jumped out to me right away, and there's no, this is no surprise, but it kind of hammered home uh, what I think will be the theme of 2017 for Ohio State football fans. And that was the news that JT Barrett would be, named, would be a captain of the Ohio State football team. Now, it's no surprise that, that Barrett would be a captain. He was the captain last year, and he was the captain the year before that. What is a little surprising is that he is the first three-time captain in the history of the program. They've played a lot of football here. Now, I acknowledge that for the majority of that time, only seniors were captain, uh, or in many cases, there were only three captains, and Urban's kind of done, he's just lawless when it comes to captains. He just decides who the captains is. Sometimes there's 16 guys, sometimes there's three, you have no idea. Um, But nevertheless, JT Barrett is a three-time captain at Ohio State, and Johnny had hammered home the point to me that more than anything else, the story of this season is the JT Barrett season. That's how we will look back on this year. Whatever success or failures it has will fall on his shoulders. A fifth-year player and a three-time captain who will, barring injury, completely rewrite the Ohio State offensive record book. Completely. Right. Well, and, and so I don't... I mean, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Like, this is like the JT Barrett season. However it's remembered, it's going to be, you know, on him. But... Part of me really wonders, you know, I think JT Barrett had this unbelievable first season, you know, and obviously he gets injured at the end of it, uh, kind of, you know, regress a little bit, but, but frankly, like, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to put that on him. I, I don't think he's that, like, I think he's great. I, I think what he has been able to do at Ohio state statistically is unbelievable. I think he is a tremendous leader, all the intangibles, all that great stuff, but I don't think that it is fair to absolve some of the potential deficiencies on the team 
uh, by saying that JT Barrett should be able to make up for it. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think people are going to go like, yeah, the offensive line, yeah, maybe the running backs, blah, 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 but JT Barrett should step up. I don't know that he's that player, and I think people are going to put that on him uh, regardless. Now, that may be fair. I mean, if you've been in the program for as long as he has and you're three-time uh, captain that you take on that responsibility. I just don't think the reality is, is that he is the guy to carry a, a team in the way that maybe a, you know a Watson or some of these other guys might. All right, two things you said really interesting to me there. Number one, you used the word fair. You used it three times. I was yeah. taking notes. Um, it's college football. Nothing's fair. True. I mean, it's not fair. We're, we're irrational. Uh, right. We're fanatical. And so um, some people will have a measure. It isn't fair. It's not fair. Um, the other thing you said that was really interesting to me was was the idea of it's not fair because of his talent. Is I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of what you're referring, right? That he's not the yeah, he's I mean, not frankly, the player. Yeah. And I agree with you. He's not Braxton Miller. He's no. not Deshaun Watson. He's not. That's the thing that struck me. Um, and again, I realize that you know it's only been so long that non seniors could be captains. But um, I think of the players that I've seen come through that program who were superstar players and JT Barrett has never, he finished fifth in the Heisman. Uh, he was, he was great that year, but that team was loaded and we didn't realize it at the time, uh, maybe to the, to the full extent of just how loaded that team was. Uh, we realized it by the time the season was over. And I actually think that what Cardell did in the postseason a little bit diminished JT Barrett's regular season because I thought they were better with with certainly with Cardell than JT. I mean, I don't think they beat Alabama with JT. I, I will go to my grave with that because of Cardell's ability to throw the ball down the field. That Exactly, yeah. They, they had to change the way they defended Ohio State. They had to take a half step. Landon Collins had to take a half step back instead of a half step up because Cardell could throw it 100 yards down the field. Um, so he's not a superstar player. He, he will own, and this will be the hard thing for him and that's why, I mean, other than the obvious reason that I root for Ohio State and I want them to win, um, you know, every game they play, I hope they win a national championship. And I'm so connected to the program at this point that that's just the way I am with it unabashedly. But in order for his, in order for him to be viewed in a way that the three-time captaincy and all of the statistical ownership of the records demand him to be viewed, he has to... He has to produce a monster year for himself and for this team. And fair or not, it will fall on his shoulders. But he will; his name will be all over the Ohio State record book the way Archie Griffin's was at one point. I mean, right. that's, that's what it will be. He will own every offensive record of note by the time he's done. He will be a three-time captain. And it will feel hollow unless he delivers. And it's not fair but that's the way that it will be viewed. So what does he have to do then? I mean, does, does he have you to think he's anything less than, is that the, is that yeah, the bar? I think he's got to be a Heisman finalist. I think he's got to, in order for people to, in order for there to be a true feeling of greatness. I don't think, I mean, this is a guy, Johnny, who we took, I mean, we probably still, if you solicited, ask us anything right now, we would take questions about whether Dwayne Haskins could beat him out in a fair competition. <laughs> we would take those questions. You know we yeah. would. No, if we I would. put it on Twitter right now and said, who do you want to start at quarterback for next year for Ohio State? I'm not sure he'd win. He might win, but it wouldn't be by no. He'd win, he'd win the Electoral College, but I don't know if he'd win the popular. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, do, I think yeah. it would be close. And, and so, and yet, 
He's a three-time captain. He's going to own every record in the book. So what does he have to do to be fully appreciated? He probably needs to beat Michigan again. He probably needs to win the Big Ten championship. He hasn't done that. He is not quarterback to team to a Big Ten championship. And he probably needs to get back to the college football playoff. To me, once you to me, the college football playoffs almost like the final four now. If you get there, that's considered a success. You know, obviously you want to win the championship, but if you get to the final four, that's viewed as success. But he's going to win the Big Ten and he probably needs to get back. I mean, I think that's kind of the minimum requirement for his I think for his for the feelings in the fan base to match statistically and the three-time captain thing for that to match up that's what he has to do yeah and it it, I mean I agree with you and I I think his perception you know the perception of JT Barrett over the past season has definitely diminished and it I mean honestly if he does get them back to that point he probably deserves more credit than he'll even get because of the team that'll have around him in general. So I just, I, I mean, I love JT Barrett. I think he is a great guy. He's a great leader. I think he is a really good quarterback. Yeah. But I also believe that it just, there is a lot being put on his shoulders. And yes. I agree with you. Nothing's fair in college football. Like they, you know, the perception is reality, essentially, especially if you're a fan of a team like Ohio State. Uh, you don't care that they're replacing everybody. You don't mm-hmm. care that maybe there's flux on the offensive end, coaching wise. Yeah. I don't give a crap about that. You just want to win. Um, it, it's just going to be really interesting to see how people look at him at the end of next season. And I don't really want to yeah. go all the way that far there yet because there's so much that can happen between now and then. But this is a guy who I will like. I don't know. You know, I, I think about players maybe more like running backs over the years who have had unbelievable. You know, individual seasons are really, really great, you know, careers at Ohio State. But then if you think about them, you look at them, you ask people about them in retrospect, five, ten years after the fact, people just kind of shrug their shoulders. They don't remember some of these guys. And I'm like, they were unbelievable for some of this time. People don't remember them. And like, I, I just think that's really, we definitely get caught up in the celebrity of certain athletes. And granted or not, you know, or whether it's it's justified or not. Uh, I think sometimes it's at the detriment of players that were really, really good and Mm -hmm. did a lot more than with little than maybe some people gave him credit for. Yeah. And I I think JT is going to, at this point, JT falls into that category because, you know, we could, you and I could do, here's another one. You could put it to the people and say, what's your favorite Braxton Miller play? And you'd probably (laughs) get, you'd get 10. I mean, I could think of 10 right now that jump out. I could do the same thing with Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do that with, yeah, I could do it with prior, frankly. Um, but if you say that, what's your, give me your 10 JT Barrett's. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he's, that's just one. not the player he is. You yeah. know, he's had, he's been a part of so many great games and he's played great. I'll never forget the night in East Lansing when he just shredded him and, yeah. and nobody saw that coming and it propelled Ohio state to the national championship hunt. I'll never forget, you know, th- those performances will last a lifetime. Um, but there's not the, the, that's the tricky part, right? Is his resume. If I put his resume and I slapped it down on the table and I said, take a look at this, you'd go, my God, this guy's the yeah. most valuable player in the big 10 finished fifth in the Heisman. He owns every tangible record in the Ohio state offensive uh, book that he can hold. He fit, I mean, he quarterbacked a team to the precipice of a national title and another one to the final four. How's this guy not the best quarterback in Ohio State history? Right. And and yet you would never get anybody to acknowledge to to say that he is at this point. Nobody right. would say that now. And to your point, 
to your point about like the plays and stuff, I mean, my favorite JT Barrett play is one where it's like kind of like a cynical or ironic enjoyment of the play. It's where he outran. It, it's I I believe it's one of the longest, if not the longest, run by a quarterback in Ohio State history. But it's where he outran the Minnesota defense at Minnesota. In one of the yeah, in one of the yeah. slowest runs I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it, it's this hilarious. Big banana run. Everybody looks big like they're looping. going backwards. Right. But that's how I remember, it, and I still enjoy that. And it's hilarious right. that I look at that as like the emblematic JT Barrett play because it shouldn't be. <laughs> like, no, but it's things. Yeah, but so anyway, it struck me, and I think it's going to be a topic of conversation. You know, less in spring, it'll be more of a conversation for fall. Oh sure. Uh, yeah. But when I saw it, he was he was named a three time captain. Uh, by Urban, um, you know, it just struck me that his resume when he leaves is going to be better than anybody who's ever played quarterback here. And I don't know if anyone's going to put him in that category. Speaking yes. of the quarterback conversation, I yes. we did the television show today. So uh, we taped at three o'clock uh, for Spectrum Sports. And if you see, I, I encourage you to watch the show on a replay if you can see it because of the reaction I have. So we're doing the show. <laughs> I have yet to see the video from practice okay so i the way just take you behind the curtain i write the show i come up with the topics you know i'm, I'm, I'm reading 11 warriors i'm reading the practice reports i'm getting the releases from ohio state i'm going all right what's what's interesting today what you know what are things we need to discuss on the show but i have not seen the video so the first time i see the video is when we're doing the show so <laughs> we we start the show we do we i toss to a couple a little bit of urban talking a couple of sound bites of urban talking we come out and we start the round table. And the first topic is the quarterbacks. And all right, what was the pecking order? Well, the pecking order turned out to be JT and then Joe and then Haskins and then Tate. And um, the first two guys were in black jerseys, meaning you can't touch them. And the, the two younger kids were in red jerseys, meaning they could be touched. So I ask Eric a question. What jumped out? He starts talking about the, the quarterbacks. So a video shows up. And the first thing you see is JT Barrett is the only person in frame and you see him drop back and throw a pass. And then you and this is a steady shot. The next shot you see is Joe Burrow drop back and throw a pass and stand next to JT. Then you see Haskins drop back, throw a pass, and stand next to Joe. And then you see what appears to be Frodo Baggins. <laughs> drop back and throw a pass and stand next to Haskins. I feel bad about it. You know, I feel bad about it now, but my I naturally gasped. At the size of Tate Martell. Yeah. I could not believe how little this dude is. I couldn't believe it. I have so much respect for this kid uh, for, for being never losing a high school game, being the USA Today National Player of the Year. But it was the first time. Every video I've seen of him is always from an up cam. And right. so you can't, you can't see how short he is. Well, this video that we showed today on the show was from field level. And Dwayne Haskins has him by what looks to be at least a half foot. At least. Martell looked like he was coming to his shoulder pad. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I thought this dude is going to have to overcome a ton if he can play. To play at Ohio State, he's going to have to overcome a ton physically. He looked like a soccer player, frankly. Yeah. And I have a ton of respect. I'm rooting for him. I love his moxie. I love what he did for the for this recruiting class. But the, his size, there just aren't a whole lot of guys that short that have thrived 
on a on the big time stage. I mean, even Johnny was six feet tall. I've stood stood next to Johnny. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. about the same height I am, five right. eleven, six feet tall. Like he's about my height. I know I could post up Tate Martell. <laughs> I know I could. Yeah, I so okay, so we uh, you know, I was looking at our our practice reports and things like that, and there's a really unfair picture of Martell um on our quarterback <laughs> report uh where it's you know, it cuts off at his knees, but he looks about a foot and a half shorter than uh than Burrow and it's just it's it's just it's really kind of bad. I mean, here's the thing. So I think everybody kind of knew that he was he was smaller than a lot of the other guys. I think a reaction might be similar to yours where you're like, uh, I didn't know he was like, you know, I trying know to destroy the one ring and, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, and look, that's, that's unfair to take. I mean, he's an absolutely amazing athlete uh, by all accounts, like a really cool guy. Yeah. And, and I think he can be a really good player for Ohio state. Um, you know, it's going to be really difficult. I think for somebody who is not an otherworldly athlete to be able to play quarterback in division one college football. If you're not like at least six feet tall, like you got to be in the range, yeah. right? Like I'm not saying you got to so. be huge. Cause there are plenty of guys who've been successful. No. They're, they're five eleven, you know, six feet, whatever. That's fine. Right. But they're Michael Vick. They're Johnny Manziel. Exactly. You've got to be that kind of athlete. You know, you have to be that kind of athlete. Yeah. I think Tate Martell is a great athlete. I think he is, you know, going to be a really good player somewhere at some position. Uh, but you're right. I, I just think that where he is right now, he better be an otherworldly athlete or he will be probably not long for the quarterback position. All, well, he, I don't know where else he played. Listen, I, I am in no position and have, and frankly, I'm, have no interest in, in burying this kid. It just, I, I, I root for him. I, I think it's, I love, you know, I just think it's great. But it's just floored me, the difference in height. Floored yeah. me. I mean, it was substantial. I mean, it was like, it yeah. had to be six inches. I mean, yeah. but I think Haskins is 6'4", so that's probably right. Right. Which, and I would believe that. I, I, I can, yeah. I'm I mean, Haskins looks like a, you know, in this kit. Yeah. So I just have a ton of respect for him to accomplish what he's accomplished already. Um, I mean, I played quarterback in high school. I didn't quarterback, you know. Bishop Gorman. Right. I wasn't the USA Today Player of the Year. I ran around and tried to not get killed and throw the ball as much as I could. Um, well, so I have an appreciation though, right? for that. Like if, if What's he that? Is, you know, that's the thing. Like if he does have those accolades and yeah. he clearly is that athletic, yeah. you got to let him at least try. Like, oh you no, gotta absolutely, I'm for because, it. I think he, I think he's Johnny Manziel. I think, right. And if you're that, but he Johnny's six feet tall. So I mean, but right. I I think he's got that type of moxie to him and that type of playmaking ability. I think he's that special. I mean, Ohio State loves him. They think he can be Johnny. You know, that's yeah. why they ran Danny Clark. That's that's why they that's what he was their guy. He's who they right. wanted. They got him. So, but I mean, like standing next to those two kids, it just it struck me. So I don't mean it to be uh I'm I'm not bearing him in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying it struck I I was shocked because I thought he was more like six feet tall and he's yeah. not. But He's seriously, if he can if he can do what Manziel did and Vikings yeah. did, like screw it, I don't care if he's like five no. feet tall. Like let him let him do his thing. Like not seriously. only that, Johnny, be the most fun you've ever had in Ohio State football play, fan. If you got to, oh hell yeah, Johnny. that would be hilarious. Like Johnny at Texas A and M was a joy to oh watch. Oh my god, yeah, no, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. So right, I'm so, skeptical, but I I'm hopeful as well. Yeah. <laughs> so aside from Martell, who will be number eighteen in your program, we talked about this last week about well, will they get pimp numbers, right? Like, will these freshmen get pimp numbers? So <laughs> yeah. I also got to look at some of these freshmen. So I'm here to report the numbers. Yep. All right. Akuda, 
number one. Looks Big, the part. That's huge. Yeah, no kidding. Sean Wade, number 24, inheriting Malik Hooker's number. Looks the part. Yep. J.K. Dobbins, number two. Kind of a big deal. Looks the part. Kendall Sheffield, number 10. Looks the part. Number five, Baron Browning. Looks exactly like Raekwon McMillan. <laughs> we put video yeah. on the show up today of him, and he looked exactly like Raekwon McMillan. Same size. Like facsimile. The common denominator in all of that is that all these kids got pimp numbers. Right. They all got pimp numbers. <laughs> so yeah. what that tells you is uh, that Urban thinks they can play. Because yeah. I'm telling you right now, the number one, the number two, and the number five, and the number 10, maybe not quite as much 24, but one, two, five, and 10 are numbers that are coveted by upperclassmen. Oh, upperclassmen would be clamoring to move to those numbers. Right. They'd move in a second to those numbers. Yeah, you don't and sit third string number one. Any, any number between one and 10, you're, you're playing. Like, yeah, simple yeah. as that. Right. Um, and you, and it, look, you can tell when they, when they screw up an analysis or people get hurt. Um, right. because the, the best answer to that, and by the way, it sounds like he had a great practice, but just Johnny Dixon, the five-star kid from Florida who they gave number one, who has not done anything yet on the field, but apparently had a great first practice and I'm rooting for him. I like him and I think he can be a good player. Injuries did him in early, but they gave him number one because they thought he'd be a superstar. Now he hasn't right. been, but he's been wearing number one for quite a while. Remember Braxton had to ask him to switch numbers. I'm sure that <laughs> conversation was a very quick one when Braxton <laughs> decided to wear number one. So the upperclassmen want to wear these single digits. So for them to give them out tells me that they think very highly of those kids. And I can tell you, Johnny, you look at the video of those kids and you watch them running around on the field and you say, wow. I mean, Akuda, Wade, and Sheffield in the secondary look like they look like they could go to the combine tomorrow. And well, and that's fine. And that was the narrative, right? Like people were looking at some of these guys, they were looking at the same kind of video that you're looking at. And they're like, high state makes NFL talent. Like they find it and develop it, it immediately. Yeah. Some of those kids, man, are just like, I agree with you. I mean, they look like they are just physical specimens ready to hit the league right now. And that's exactly what you want. If you want to keep, if you want to keep that going, if you want to keep challenging Alabama and win national championships, you can't wait to develop guys no. three years down the line. You got to hope that some of these guys can play right out of high school and they're going to get a lot of that this year. Yeah, I can't wait to watch these kids over the course of the next month and a half as we get a look at it as as they develop and um, as we get you know more chances to to check this team out and practice and and certainly culminating in the spring game. But I mean, my first impression of those kids just blew me away. Yeah. Uh, you hit on it, and and that's the next line of discussion, and that is the combine. So this is a pretty remarkable spot that Ohio State is in because what what Urban Meyer set to do here was. Um, was create really from a from a talent acquisition standpoint um what he built was an nfl factory that was the objective um one thing they did early when they got here and this, this is a pitch that they used in recruiting i know for a fact was um look you're gonna have to play in the cold if you're gonna play in the nfl you might as well learn to do it at ohio state and right. that coincided with the nike ad and i think they did an apple ad um in the snow and you, you remember the nike ad in the snow oh, yeah, they don't awesome. shy away from that they don't shy away from that. They, they embrace it and they say, we're going to make, we are going to make you pros. Now it's one thing, Johnny, to say, you're going to do that. It's quite another to deliver on that promise. And I think the first, the first group that really did that, that were urban, urban I mean, they've put a lot of guys to the pros, but the first guys that were urban's guys was Zeke and Bosa and Decker, Michael Thomas, 
that those are his guys, right? right. Those are his first guys. Are, are the, is that group? And for them to have the rookie years that they did, and I'm just mentioning some of them, pretty much everybody who came from Ohio State had a great rookie year. You know, people don't pay attention to the Saints and Von Bell, but he was had a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, or Jalen Marshall, who was undrafted and while maybe in trouble now, had a heck of a first year with the Jets. So, I mean, uh, I think it's amazing. I think it's great that Tybus Powell, you know, played most of the year with the Seahawks in a loaded secondary coming from undrafted. I mean, that's the type of talent. So then you get to the combine this year and you say, well, Ohio State should have a drop off. Well, no, sir. No, they won't. Um, in fact, they could have three of the top 15 to 20 picks in the draft all out of the secondary, which replaced three NFL right. secondary players. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Yeah. I mean, Hooker's going to go somewhere in the top eight. Yes. Lattimore's going to go in the top eight after running four, three, seven. And Gary and Connolly, the way he ran, played himself into the top 25 of this draft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. The way, yeah. I mean, he was the guy before the year that we all thought that kid's going to be a first round pick. Right. Well, I didn't think they'd have. I thought I would. Anytime I went on radio around here, I'd always say, you know, that Connolly will be a first rounder. I had heard great things about Hooker and I was on his bandwagon before the first game, but I hadn't seen it yet terms of on the on the field and Lattimore same thing because the injuries just weren't sure but they're gonna have three top 20 picks that's astonishing yeah well and, and that's what athleticism will get you that right and that and the thing about the combine for me is that you know I've I've written a lot on the site about how I feel it's kind of just it's a lot of people trying to apply really weird kind of psychological physiological whatever phrenology you know phrenology kind of methods to try to yeah, evaluate players they're just making up stuff you know pulling out of their butt but i think you, that, i think you're right real quick to interject i think it's almost like they have them there for two days so they have to do something with them right 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 and 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 i as useless as i think overall you know for a lot of teams you know the, the nfl draft or the nfl combine can be it is essential for these players yes because if you can run a 40 like some of these guys have run the 40 if you can do a lot of these other things and have all the measurables you will make yourself millions of dollars that's right because that's what these teams are basing a lot of their decisions on is just a very small snippet in time and if you can dominate that you're going to get paid and i think it's awesome that you know, the Ohio State players who were there did such an amazing job and yeah you're going to see a huge Ohio State presence in the first round in part because of that so I, I said last year, uh, we weren't doing this, but I was doing the radio up here, and I, I said last year that Ohio State had, I was very confident in three stars. I'm, I, I didn't know if that Taylor would have the year he had right away, sure. that he would be that great right away, but I was very confident in Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Bosa, and Michael Thomas, that they would be right. stars. And I told, I got a lot of crap up here because I told I told the Cleveland Browns on any time I did radio up here I said take the best available Buckeye with every pick. Don't <laughs> mock me. You can't. Why are you Buckeye Homer? Blah blah blah. Like trust me. Like they take the best available Buckeye with every pick. Had they done that, they would have and stayed where they were. They would have ended up with Joey Bosa and Michael Thomas. It's probably how it worked. <laughs> so I continue to hold firm that that would have been a smart way to handle your business. Yeah, uh, they think, didn't. I think so. Yeah. So that brings me to this year. This is going to seem crazy, but I think there are I think there are five guys in this class, at least five, who will be. Gosh, I feel like they're going to be eight to ten year pros. I think the three secondary players are going to be okay. eight to ten year pros. I think Pat Elfline is an eight to ten year pro, and I think Raekwon McMillan's an eight to ten year pro. And I think Raekwon McMillan is going to have 
a really good career. I could see him making Pro Bowls. I think I think so much was expected of him. And at middle linebacker, he's asked to, you know, he's asked to do a lot. So it's not like right. he could make a lot of flash plays, but I think he'll be really, really good. And I think the other three, I think Hooker has a potential. I mean, to me, he's Ed Reed. I mean, I he's crazy. He's oh, crazy yeah. gifted. And the two corners are that way too. Like, I think the three the three secondary guys can all be stars. And McMillan and Elfline can be 10-year NFL players. I think McMillan's going to sneak sneak up on a lot of guys who don't know a lot about Ohio State football. And yeah. they'll be surprised at how versatile he can be at the linebacker position. I think that will surprise a lot of people. Um, the other thing, the, I mean, I agree with you on the secondary guys. Absolutely. I mean, Hooker is, his physicality, the way, I mean, he, he is Ed Reed. Like, that is a great comparison. I think he's going to have an insane NFL career. The only thing with F, Elfline that I worry about a little bit is just his overall height. And I think that may hurt him a little bit, but he's, yeah, could. but he's, you know, supremely talented. He's very technically sound. He's strong sure. guy. Um, yeah, so I think I, I think he'll have a good career too. Uh, but I think McMillan is really the guy who's going to sneak up on people because mm-hmm. you know Ohio State fans know the guy, they know his pedigree. But I think a lot of people who aren't fans of the Big Ten or aren't fans of Ohio State may not know his name very much and maybe yeah. just think of him as another Ohio State linebacker. I think he's more versatile than a lot of the guys that have come out. And, and granted, you know AJ Hawk didn't have an incredible career, but he had a good, solid career. Yeah, um, James Laurinaitis I think has had That's a lot better guy. career than people realize. Um, and I think McMillan I can see can him a career like Laurinaitis. Yeah, and I'm stealing that from either Tim or Eric. I can't remember, but one of them said it today on the TV show, and it really resonated with me. Now James was a better college player. James was a three-time first-team All-American. Right. Um, sure. But but Raekwon was really good, and I I I I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think he has a potential to have that type of pro career, which is a really good pro career. Oh yeah, that's a you take that all day. So. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It, it was fun to see, and I was glad to see. I was glad to see Curtis Samuel, who I just don't know, like what position. He's such a he's a great one cut guy, but I just don't know how that that's going to be about the situation. If he gets in a situation with you know an offensive guy who's got a lot of imagination, then I think he's got a chance to be really you know to to stick a little bit. But I just wonder worry about position for him, like how's that's going to shake out. But yeah, I um, think he would have to be primarily a receiver in the league. I don't think he's he would, but he's not really he like you know he he's not he's not great with his hands. He right. dropped a couple passes at the combine. Not that that means a lot, but I mean he doesn't have great hands. He certainly doesn't have the size. Um, so he's going to have to play the slot like Brandon Cooks or somebody like that. And um, you know he just doesn't. You know what he doesn't have? He's got this one cut. He can make the one cut go as fast as anybody. He ran four three ones. That tells you how fast he is. But he's not. He doesn't have a lot of shake. Right. Does that? You know what I mean? Like you no, need yeah. to have a I mean, little bit of that. Change of direction is what matters. I mean, you yeah. can run a straight line all day, but unless you're Ted right. Ginn, and even Ted Ginn took a while to find a place in the league, right? Like yeah. I mean, that was that was something that kind of looted him for a while. So yeah, it's hard. I, He'll get he'll get every chance in the world. You run a four three one. I mean, they're yeah, gonna oh, yeah. they're gonna let you try out and do what you need to do. But um, he made himself money by doing yeah. that. I mean, he's Absolutely. gonna go higher than I thought. Yeah, but you know, forty isn't everything. You know, and and, and that's I think that comes to uh, to light. I mean, you see a lot of these guys who just run ridiculous forties. I mean, we got four two two this year. Which, by the way, I I was anticipating going on a super huge rant about the forty. Uh, (laughs) are you aware of my feelings on the 40 about why it's so stupid and flawed uh i'm not hit me okay so here's the thing about the 40 the 40 there's something called um like i can't remember what the acronym exactly stands for but it's fat it's it's basically the idea that it's 
it starts the timing as soon as the player uh you know reaches a certain point so as soon as they pass a, an invisible line that's when the actual uh clock starts okay. the nfl still relies on a human starter for their 45 <laughs> so that at yeah so it at, it it subtracts easily 0.2 to 0.25 seconds off of every 40 time the san diego was like the san diego union tribune did a analysis of the 40 about 10 or 12 years ago okay. and they looked at ben johnson's uh 100 meter race from i think the 1988 olympics or something sure. yeah he ran a he ran a 979 right yep. he was he had a tailwind he was running with an elite group of sprinters he was roided like completely roided out That's of his right. mind Beat and Carl Lewis. Fastest 40. Say again, I'm sorry. Beat Carl Lewis. Yeah, beat Carl Lewis. His fastest 40 throughout that 100 meters. If you look at the a solid like 40 yard section, okay, of that, his fastest yeah. 40 was a 4.38. <laughs> all right. So so all this crap about 4.22, and they're like, oh, Barry Sanders ran it backwards, did a 418. I'm sorry, that that does not pass mustard. It is not, it is not, not a real thing. All right. It's an actual 40 time that these guys are probably running is somewhere around four, four or four, four, five. Like that would yeah. be a really, really great time. That would be a world-class time, uh, but they're not running four twos. That's not a thing. Uh, but it is because the NFL doesn't want to go to computer timers. Uh, they just want to continue to allow people to buy in this mythical 40 stuff. So, so are you suggesting that the 40 is all fake news? <laughs> it's it's news. all fake news. It, it could be real news. It's just that the NFL wants to keep it as yeah. fake news. And the speed is it. the fake news part. Yeah, I mean it's marketing and it's fine, but it's right. not. It's not a real thing. Yeah, um, sad. That's yeah. sad. <laughs> um, okay, last thing I want to get to is the basketball team, who to me perfectly summed up what this season has been at, as the way they finished the year by beating Wisconsin at home. And and you you get a glimpse of you know we did we talked about it last week on the show like how great that was to have this you know really feel good moment you know for Thad and if they only have it once then that's great right. um, but then we also talked about you know God if you win five you know four or five in a you could make a run here you could get to the tournament and then they come out on Senior Day yeah um, and just get annihilated in the first half by Indiana and they make a run of it but they don't have enough juice to 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 get it done. Indiana wins on senior day and scores about 175 points. And uh, to me, that kind of sums up this year that you can beat Wisconsin at home and get humiliated by Indiana. And um, it kind of summed up the last couple of years for Thad a little bit where you can get up for the good teams, but can't get up for the bad teams. And right. uh, it's just, it's really frustrating. It's kind of meandering, but I've been very consistent on this show. And I know you have as well, that there was no way Thad Mata was going to be fired. There just was no way. I mean, no. I think anybody who had any sense, you can be salacious and throw uh, throw stuff at the wall all you want and try to create stuff where there isn't. But there was, there was no firing of Thad Mon. So anybody who said that he should be fired or was going to, it just, it's not accurate. It's never going to happen. Um, there was a report by Pat Forty of Yahoo, was the first to report it, that, uh, that Thad would stay. And um, But what was interesting wasn't that part of it. What was interesting to me, Johnny, was the part where he said that Thad, that the thing, some of some around the program, the thinking was that he would uh, step down because of health concerns. So Thad was asked today at his press availability about just that, about will you be back and about the health. And Thad went on to tell the story about how one rival coach 
not only uses his health against him, but actually told a recruit that Thad Mata was going to die. God. Like, <laughs> I mean, really? See, and if if someone said that about me and I were in his position, I would coach until I literally did die. Like, I would just do it until I was 95 years old just to spite that person. Right. Like, that's insane. Like, and I believe it. I believe, I 100% yeah. believe that happened. Oh, I, yeah. Every, I mean, I think I've always said everything's fair in recruiting. Like, yeah. there's no rules. It's lawless from Jump Street. Everybody acknowledges it going in. That's what it is. Right. Um, who do you think said it? Oh, Tom Crean. I think Tom Crean said it. And I don't like, <laughs> I'm not going to be around the but It was definitely Tom Crean. It was definitely. There's no way it wasn't Tom Crean. Defended Thad. Did you hear him defend Thad after they beat Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Because in, in his head, he's like, it, but... I don't want the poor dude to die. Like, I, you know, I don't. I, it's got to be Tom Crean. I'm sorry. Like, Tom Crean's the kind of guy who will compliment you to your face and then say that you're dying to a quarterback. Um, I agree with you. It has to be Tom Crean. I, I was trying to think of somebody else who like beat him for a recruit here and there, but the people who beat him for recruits are Sean Miller, Mike Krzyzewski. Those, t- those, those guys aren't doing that. <laughs> so right. It, it had to be, it's gotta be Tom Crean. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, yeah, I don't think there's any question. It's Tom Crean. Tom Crean's probably predicted the death of several of his rivals. Honestly, like, I feel like that's probably a theme for him. Um, and yet he can't get fired. Like he can keep a job forever. Apparently at Indiana. I, I was like, saying, he so- sucks. He's terrible. And he he just gets to keep coaching there. He's been terrible. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I saw some mess earlier today about him being the perfect coach for Missouri or something along those lines. I'm like, I don't I mean I maybe because his stock has fallen or something, but I don't I just don't I don't know what's going on with him and the Indiana program. I mean, sour grapes, I guess, you know, if you, you beat Ohio state and I'm all mad at you, blah, blah, that's not true. I don't really care right. who beats Ohio state at this point, but right. we're long past that. <laughs> right. I'm there. I'm not holding any grudges here, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He is such a, a curious guy for a lot of reasons and his, you know, his proclivities of just being a, a tool, I think would lead me to believe that he was the guy who uh, who predicted that modest untimely death. I concur. I concur. <laughs> that was, I would say that at the exact same uh, speed with which you came to that conclusion. I will say this. Uh, anybody with any sense knew Thad was going to come back. He wasn't going to get fired. Sure. But th- there needs to be a change to his staff. And I would say if he doesn't make one, if you don't see somebody off that staff gone um, or, you know, take a job, you know, like Jeff Bowles took the job at Stony Brook. I mean, there's got to yeah. be, and he's done a good job, by the way. But I mean, there's there's got to be somebody off that staff has got to move on. It's not going to be Chris because he just got here. So either Greg or Dave has got to go, and they got to get somebody in here who can speak to a generation of players that they're just missing. They're just not identifying with these kids, and they're not getting them. The recruiting's falling off a cliff, and they've got to get somebody in there who can get it done in recruiting. I'm not sure who that is, uh, but they need to find it. Yeah, and that's. And that's hard because, I mean, I, you know, you can tell that one of the biggest problems is that whatever Thad Mata is trying to do psychologically with the team is just not playing out the way he wanted it to. And it's it's hard to get in the heads of players, especially with, you know, Thad Mata is a player's coach, right? Like, I, yep. I, I feel like for him, that's got to be unbelievably frustrating to be a guy who prides himself on forging connections and, and having good communication with his players and then just have nothing work 
this season. Like, it'd be one yeah. thing if he was just like a hard ass and he was like screaming at him and I'm by the book and you got to do X, Y, and Z. But he's not that guy. Mm-mm. And I, I just, you know, when you're the nice guy and kids are still, you know, not listening, that's that's rough. That's real yeah. rough. And I'm sure he's doing as much soul searching as everybody else is. Yeah, it's a tough spot, and they'll they'll play out. The, the crazy thing is, they'll probably get to Friday in the big in the Big Ten tournament. I could see them beating Northwestern. Yeah, um, before getting dropped by Maryland, you know, in the in what will essentially be a home game for the Terps. But um, by the way, if you're, I don't think any of you are going, but you're going to. I mean, how DC is such a great town. Like it's yeah. nonsense that the tournament's over there. But from a selfish standpoint, if you were going, that's a fun place to spend three nights. It's expensive as hell. I mean. It's hilarious. Like Delaney's going to the two most expensive cities in the East Coast, you know, <laughs> DC and New York, the next two years to hold the AC to hold the Big Ten tournament. Um, but both are great cities, and that's why the hotels are what they are. But you're going to spend a lot of money, but you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, um, that's, a cool, that's a cool place. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. This, and plus, you just get excited about history. I mean, you right. just, yeah. I mean, I think I pour, the last time I went to DC, I think I, when I got home, I poured through like six David McCullough books, like just <laughs> powered through. It was just that's... great. Last time I They're went all to good. Uh, I actually went for a wedding and I met uh, Bob Dole when I was there. I was pretty excited God. about that. I miss Bob Dole. Yeah, there there was an honor <laughs> I flight. I miss the quiet dignity planet, of Bob uh, Dole. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. I miss it. <laughs> yeah. It's a little weird <laughs> to miss yeah. Bob Dole, but. Yeah, that's Bob where Dole. we're at. Yeah. That's where we're at, Coach. Uh, do we have any Ask Us Anything this week? We do have a couple ask us anything. You guys can ask us anything by hitting us up on Twitter uh, at 11 Dubcast. You can uh, send us an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Uh, let's start off with Andrew here. Andrew wants to know, he says, um, basically, he listens to some other podcasts, and, and one of the hosts recently made a comment along the lines of, uh, if our planet was breaking in half and I had to mm-hmm. shoot a Big 12 game into space to preserve it, you know, kind of like, what are they, like in the 70s, right, on the Voyager record, right, where they put, like, all the animal sounds and Beethoven and right. pieces of naked people. Uh, so if he had to shoot a Big 12 game into space, it would have been um, the Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game uh, from last season. Uh, with right. Blown leads, terrible secondary, passing all over the place. So the question he has for us is if we had to do the same thing for the Big Ten and choose a game that we thought best embodies the conference and is quintessential Big Ten football, wow. uh, which game would we choose? It could be from any time. doesn't have to be Ohio State. You know, it could be any time, any game, whenever. I, don't, I mean, how do you beat last year's Ohio State-Michigan game? Yeah, for that. I mean, that – but – but That's too easy. That game was, is it a quintessential Big it's Ten? The, it's the quintessential now. It's what okay. the Big Ten is now. Right. It's not what the Big Ten was from from you know eighteen ninety nine to nineteen now well, maybe two thousand six. But that's what it is now. Um, I, I to me and by the way, I, we live in Big Ten country, and I would want the best representation of the conference. So I wouldn't <laughs> want to throw back to like you know Holy Buckeye or something like that. Right. Like, I, I would want what I watched. Ohio State Michigan do this year. I thought that was I mean that to me that was better than that was better than the than any Ohio State Michigan game ever. To me. I mean I, I don't it know was, how you beat it. Was it was unbelievable. Yeah. I don't was... know how you beat it. I mean your your heart was broken a hundred times. I mean a hundred <laughs> times. And that you now it will lose some of its luster because Ohio State did not win the national title and didn't play for the national title and, and also got whipped, you know, in right. that game. 
in that moment, in the moment, and that's really what this is about, is in that moment, that was the best. To me, that's the best that rivalry's ever done. And I have a, I have a pretty decent handle on, on it, but that was everything that you'd want it to be. Yeah, I think I think if you're talking about, like like you said, the way the Big Ten is now, I mean, I think it has to be an Ohio State mission game. Honestly, like I, I don't think you can I don't think you can avoid that. Not not just being selfish. I think that's just emblematic of, you know, Big Ten football in general. Um, you know, just based on what I've seen, I think that's a good choice. If you're talking about old school, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, I would go back to the 14 like it was like the 14 three game uh, where Jim Tressel just ground, you know, oh, God, Michigan yeah. in the dust and do a fine power. Oh, like that yeah. was one of the that was one of the most impossibly difficult games to watch if you were not a fan of either team. (laughs) It was just this horrifying exercise and attrition. Like (laughs) it was essentially like if you can condense the ennui and like the, 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 the horrible like depression of world war one into a football game. That's that's what what that game was. (laughs) It was just trench warfare for three and a half hours. It was the least interesting game I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, but I loved every second of it because of how brutally stupid it was. So if, if I'm talking about old school Ohio State or Big Ten football, I'm going to count that one. I think that was, what, 2007, I believe? Yeah, it was awful. Um, that yeah. was my first one. What's it, so basically, if you're saying that's World War One, then to me, last year's game was Normandy. Yeah, and that was or Star Wars. Parachuters, <laughs> or Star Wars. That was yeah. guys coming out of planes, storming beaches. No one knew what the hell was going on. That Last year was Normandy. If you did, if fourteen three was World War One and the trenches, then uh, then last Battle year was Normandy. Gavin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna just keep throwing Star Wars references at you. Uh, well, that right, works so, too. It, that applies too. Yeah. So okay. So we've got a couple. Or well, we got another question here. So this one's from uh, Joey, uh, good friend Joey, who decided to DM me directly. Which, by the way, if you want to DM me directly at John at Johnny Eleven W, go for it. I'll I'll answer your question. Uh, so thoughts on Emory Jones uh, and sticking with his Ohio State commitment? Well, that's the big um, one. We got we got a loaded quarterback yeah. in the room already. Emory's coming in. He's got. I think he just got offered by Alabama, right? So he did. Yeah, I think if I think if Emory Jones can reach his potential, Urban Meyer will finally coach Cam Newton. Yeah, that's what I think. I think if Emory Jones gets to Ohio State gets a year to develop without playing and then plays he'll be cam newton that's what he looked like to me when i saw him last summer at friday night Lights, standing next to clark and martell and i saw him slinging it around i said that's i mean i'm looking at this kid i'm going all right martell's number one dual threat player in the country uh danny clark was offered as a freshman in high school emory jones is a year younger than both and he to me looked light years ahead I mean, it physically, they weren't even the way the ball right. came out of his hand. Look, I, I tend, I, I kind of want, I got to be careful because I don't. This isn't <laughs> fair to put on a seventeen-year-old kid. Sure, but I think, I think, well, I, I stand by what I said. If he plays, if he comes here and he plays, I think Urban gets to coach Cam Newton, and then you're going to get to root for Cam Newton. And how much fun would that be? And he's, I mean, if you look at his film, he's just unbelievably polished, and yeah. he's not. He he has a lot of room to grow. That's the other thing I think people yeah, forget sometimes about Emory Jones. It's not like he's this. Hell. Yeah, he's not a final product by any no. stretch. 
position, and he's already really, really, really good at yeah. so many different things. So, uh, I mean, I hope that's the case. I feel like if he gets here, he's going to be have the inside track on the starting job, uh, considering, you know, assuming he continues to to perform the way he's performed. And I, uh, I just don't think you keep him off the field no. unless just, you no, know, you, you watched mean, a lot. I've watched a lot of quarterbacks in high school. I mean, he's just got things you don't teach. Right. I mean, he just. He knows what he's doing different. at this point. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he ends up sticking with it. Hopefully they can convince him that there's going to be enough room, the, the quarterback room for him. Um, I think there will be. Yeah. <laughs> I think he knows Yeah, that. they'll make it work. <laughs> worried about it. Uh, they'll run kids if they have to. I mean, I think he's that special. They'll yeah, run quarterbacks out if they think they need to. But I don't think they'll need to. Like, I think he, he'll come in and he'll run things. Yeah, agree. So those are our Ask Us Anything this week. Please continue to ask us anything. Uh, again, hit us up on Twitter or email. And, and the weirder, the better, because I, I really enjoy the weird ones in the offseason. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, we'll take those. Uh, next week, we're going to do a little wrestling. Yes. Big, big weekend for the Buckeyes. They win the Big Ten. Um, and, and just the buzz around that program is tangible. So uh, we're going to do a little wrestling. We'll keep you week two of spring football as well. And probably be also be the... Uh, the the pouring the dirt on the casket of the Ohio State men's basketball season. I'm guessing all of those <laughs> things will happen next week on the show. But uh, it's good to be back and to have good audio. So uh, we'll talk again next week, my good friend. Yep, sounds good.